Alright guys, we're looking at 4.2.4 today. Now remember, we're looking at land managers. Now there's two types, there is the public and there is the private. In the last episode, we looked at public, which looked at Victorian national parks, okay, such as Wilson's Prom and the Vic Alpine National Park. Today we're going to look more at the private land managers and we're going to look specifically at Trust for Nature, Okay, so they're a non-for-profit organisation. You need to understand who they are and how they work, what they do to protect private land, and you're going to have to know a few of their management strategies. All right, guys, we need to understand what and who Trust for Nature is, okay? So Trust for Nature is a not-for-profit organisation. So they are an organisation that is funded from donations, essentially, okay? And they are out there to protect native plants and wildlife with private landowners, okay? So not in the way of national parks, not in the way of state forests. They're looking after private land, okay? So two-thirds of Victoria is privately owned, and therefore if we didn't have someone like Trust for Nature, then there's no one potentially protecting some of that private land. Now, Trust for Nature was established back in 1972, okay, under the Victorian Conservation Act. All right, so it's really important that we understand that they do have an act involved, which means that they have um, a legal obligation or they have a law to essentially back them up, okay? So when they um, make a conservation covenant, which we'll talk about a little bit later, it is regarded by law what they do, all right, because of that 1972 Act. Um, in 1978, Trust for Nature developed conservation covenants, which we're going to talk about, and they are the main way they protect native plants and wildlife on private land. So they help look after the biodiversity of that area, the ecology of that area, absolutely everything to try to make it as similar to essentially a national park as possible, okay? They want it to look like what it once did, okay, untouched for the majority, all right? And as I said, this is all on private land. So there's four things that Trust for Nature do. One is the stewardship program, one is the revolving fund, one is land acquisition, and the other one is conservation covenants, okay? So you really need to understand what a conservation covenant is. And the idea is that if somebody with private land would like to look after that land long-term, so they may have 10 acres, they may have uh, an old farm that's no longer being used as a farm and they want to restore that back to what it would have looked like before it was used far as farmland or they want to look after the natural process of the area, whatever it may be, what they'll do is they'll speak to the Trust for Nature. They will then put a covenant on it if there is some environmental um, impact that could be beneficial there. So it might be that there's a um, species that is not found in many other places. It could be a species that is at risk of extinction. Whatever it may be, 
If there is a reason for it to be environmentally protected, they will then put a conservation covenant on it. That is an agreement between the landowner and Trust for Nature, and that is permanent protection from the time that it becomes a covenant until forever. All right. Once that covenant is placed on it, no one can go in and do anything to that. It's protected by law. All right, so it means that if I then pass away because my and my farm then becomes the property of my um, son or my daughter or whoever it may be, they then still cannot do anything to that land. It is protected. So they can't build a big estate on it and have 10 different houses or they can't then um, clear it and use it for agricultural purposes or for cattle farming or anything along those lines. It will always be protected. The next one we're going to look at is the stewardship program. So the stewardship program is essentially a support program. So the idea is that Trust for Nature have placed a covenant on a area of private land, okay, or it could be an area of land that they own, but there's some form of covenant placed on it, all right? They then will then send out people to go and help or run workshops on that land. So the landowners may get technical advice, they may get land management um, incentives or practical assistance with the land management. They might also help with habitat and species monitoring. Any of those things that could potentially be a positive to that environment, Trust for Nature will often send people out there. It might be once, it might be twice a year, just to help monitor that environment to help it as keep it as pristine as possible. The next thing that we're going to look at is the revolving fund. So the idea is that, uh, look, Trust for Nature get donations every year and they may get, uh, they may have a million dollars in donations and they decide that they want to acquire some land. So it might be that there could be an old cattle farm or it could be an old sheep station. They turn around and they go, we are going to purchase that land for a million dollars. They purchase the land they buy it, they then use their power to put a covenant on top of it, all right, which means that that land is protected and we cannot build on it, we cannot make it a farm, whatever else. Then they will then sell that bit of land off to somebody else and it becomes theirs, it's their private land, but they cannot build on it. They cannot have agriculture or farms or any of those things. It's going to still be protected. So it means that people... If they keep having that revolving fund, so when they buy it, turn it into a covenant and then sell it again, they'll get their money back. They may sell it for 950000 They might sell it for 850000 And they might go, well, the $150,000 that I'm losing or they're losing is fine because they've placed 10 hectares of land that is now going to be protected. All right, so they have that revolving fund because it means that that money is not actually invested in that property for a long period of time because it's going to constantly be changing. The last one we look at is land acquisition and that's just that they buy it back. So they actually sometimes will just buy a certain area, especially if it has high conservation value, which means that they can regenerate the area, they can look after any damaged habitat and they can have it for future preservation. So essentially it's them buying their own um, land that could potentially becomes a, a forest or a, a park or something along those lines. It's just not a national park or a state forest because it's not run by Parks Victoria. It's not public land. It will still be privatised, okay? And they can use that how they want. So some people will still allow people to go on it and they'll be able to hike on it. They'll be able to see it, but it is still private land. It is not owned by the government.
So the last thing you guys need to be aware of is the management strategies that are implemented by Trust for Nature. So an example of that is that Trust for Nature bought Ned's Corner back in 2002. And Ned's Corner is up in the northwestern section of Victoria, and it is actually one of the largest privately owned pieces of land in Australia, let alone Victoria. Okay. Um, and it used to be used for an old sheep station. They've when they bought it, they removed the sheep off it and they wanted to rejuvenate and re-establish the original essential cycle that happened in that area before any introduced species or humans came along. For that to happen, they've had to obviously try to restore it. They've had to have re-establishment of flora and fauna. They've had to provide a habitat for birds, reptiles, and a range of other sort of small mammals and whatnot. For this to happen, they've had to implement management strategies. Now, you need to know at least five of these because this is something that you could be asked. Now, the ones that I tend to remember are that they have monthly fox control over 30,000 hectares. They have a thousand kilometers of rabbit bait lines that are undertaken. Okay, they have planting of 20,000 trees and shrubs. They've established a 500 hectare herbivore exclusion, which means that it excludes herbivore and predators getting into that area. So it's fenced off, but nothing can get in. The idea is that that area is going to continue to flourish without any herbivores or predators in that area. Okay, and then the last one is that they've got a regular environmental watering program across the 500 hectares of wetland. So they're putting water back into that natural area, which is a wetland, which was much needed. And because of some of these things, okay, Ned's Corner is now flourishing again and is a pristine environment compared to what they took it over when it was a sheep station. All right, guys. So just in summary, for 4.2.4 private land management, you need to know what trust for nature do, who they are, and what they do, um, especially in relation to the conservation covenant, the stewardship program, what their um, properties are, okay, the revolving fund. And then the other thing that you need to do is understand what is happening up in Ned's Corner and exactly what those management strategies look like. If you understand all of that, you will be fine with 4.2.4. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to like and subscribe. That's all from me, M. Hammond. Mm-hmm.